Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back to Girl Water Your Grass. We're super excited about uh, chatting today about what defines you. And we really wanna talk about not attaching our identity to something that's not permanent. Welcome, everybody. We know that this is a topic that all of us struggle through, work through, are in um, at some point. Honestly, probably something that the majority of us work through on a regular basis, you know, because yeah. it's, it, it's, it's such an easy thing to get caught up in subconsciously where we don't even realize that that's what's going on. Yeah. And it's really, um, it's not something that you ever um, master. It's something that we'll always continue to work on. We never arrive with this. You know, we talk a lot about that, but it's, you know, it's just bringing it back to balance and bringing it back to an equilibrium of, you know, at some points we're more defined by our career or by what we're doing in our work life. Other times we're more defined by our, you know, our status in life, that being a wife or a mother or a daughter or a friend. And it's, it's not that these things aren't important. They're all important, but just one thing doesn't define us. Yeah. And that's what we really want to talk about today is, you know, just bringing that self-awareness to where are areas of your life that you're allowing to define you too much and where can you come back to, um, you know, just to, to balance and knowing that really the only thing that defines us is being a daughter of the King. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we, we really identified there's kind of three main things here that we've noticed it's very common to, to be, to, to consider ourselves defined by, you know, three areas. Yeah. Three areas of our lives. And so the first one that we wanted to touch on was this idea of being defined by our career. And it's so easy, you guys, it's so easy to, to even, it, it's really interesting because, you know, one of the first questions we ask someone, usually when we meet them, it's like, oh, what do you do? Right. And we're asking that because we're wanting to get a read on them, you know, and, and, and then once they tell us what they do, there's an immediate association with that good or bad. Typically, you know, there can be, there's an immediate, immediate sort of status, if you will, that we attribute to that good or bad. Right. And so it's really interesting how often we can start to define ourselves by what our career is. It is. It's really is. And, you know, you think about like when you're going to, I remember going to college and thinking, you know, everyone in my family uh, pretty much is a dentist, a professional. (laughs) There's seven in my immediate family, four brothers, two sister-in-laws and my dad. And, you know, you think, I remember a point thinking like, well, I need to go to dental school because Mm -hmm. that will mean that, that I'm something that I really matters. And, you know, having those letters before behind your name. And it's like, 
are you doing this because that's God's plan for your life? And because you're really passionate about fixing people's teeth or becoming a doctor, Mm. or is it really your calling? Because you'll never find fulfillment through achievement. And let me say that again, you will never find fulfillment through achievement. And I think our culture really pushes achievement. I even look at it in my kids, like if they get, they don't get an A on a test. They're so upset because we are, I don't like the way our education system operates. It is designed to show up and throw up information. Mm -hmm. And do you really have a love for learning? Most people, by the time they've been in school and get out of college, they don't want to read another book for another five years because they're exhausted and they've been made to just, you know, memorize and shove down this information without truly having a love for learning and knowing like, what's the point? Why are we doing this? And I see that play out in career as well. As we are, you know, I just remember getting out of college and I got a job with a Fortune 50 company and it was a great job and it was so good to me and provided me with just such a great opportunity to have amazing business experience at 21 years old. But I thought, man, I've arrived, I've got this big job and and, and really became so defined by it, you know, and just pulling yourself out that it's, it's great to become a doctor if that's God's call in your life. It's great to become a teacher if that's God's call in your life. And it's, it's really asking yourself, I think that question of what makes your heart sing Mm -hmm. and really confidently stepping into that with knowing that his plans over us are so much bigger than our own and knowing that that is part of your purpose on earth, but that you're not defined by that. And that also your career is changeable. I've changed Mm -hmm. careers like four times, right? (laughs) There's so many different directions. I'm going to go with what you said. Go, go, go. You know, one of the things that I I always think of is there's this quote by JP too, where he says, you know, we're not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We're the sum of the father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his son, Jesus. And I think remembering that again, when we get into that, that idea of career, I like to think of it as like, we're not defined, you know, by our weaknesses and our failures. We're not defined by our careers. We're not defined by all that because it's so easy to get that sense of, oh my gosh, yes, I'm important and I matter based off of what I do. And I know even having worked in the music industry for a long time, you know, it's, it's very easy to think, gosh, like I'm important because I'm playing for all these big events or big things. I'm meeting all these quote unquote, like important people and we're also in this world. And, and it, it, it's so funny because the reality is that it, it doesn't matter who we, who we meet, who we're meeting, um, where we're playing, what we're doing, like none of that makes us bigger or smaller, right? None of that makes us more important or not more important, not at all. Yeah. It doesn't make us better or worse. Right. And when we attach it to that, it actually makes us very susceptible to any and every kind of fall. It makes us susceptible to any and every kind of criticism. I was just talking with a friend of mine the other day and she's, she was, she's kind of breaking into the music industry. And she said, okay, Maria, she said, you know, I realize that I'm very impacted when, when people are critical of something with my music, you know? And, and one of the things that, that really stood out to me was, I remember, I remember being in that place. I, I totally remember thinking, oh my gosh, if someone, you know, praised you with your music, it was like, okay, everything is good. And then if someone had a critical response, you know, then, then it was the total opposite. And what really changed that for me was actually, I, I went through a season where I really thought, you know, my music career is over. I'm, you know, that was a season, glad I did it. 
But there's, there's really, I had unknowingly kind of gotten into a place of comparison uh, of just feeling, feeling like, you know what, there's other musicians out there. There's other vocalists, there's other keys players. What I have doesn't really matter. Um, there's others who are so much better than me. And I remember going to this music event and I ran into an old friend who I had not seen in years. And it's like, Hey, how are you doing? Are you still doing a lot of music? And, and I was like, you know, I'm actually kind of looking at taking a break for a while. And and he's like, oh my gosh, why? And I was like, well, I just feel like there's enough musicians out there. I think, you know, there's tons of keys players who are way better. There's tons of vocalists who are way better. And he just looked at me and he was like, Maria, he's like, you bring something to the world through your specific song, your specific voice, your, the way that you play, the way that your heart comes through in that, that nobody else can bring. And if you don't bring that, there are people's lives who will never be touched because you were just like, ah, I'm not, you know, someone else can do it. Uh, and it was, so good. Yeah, so true. it was one of those moments that I just stopped and I was like, oh my gosh, someone, that means that, that someone is devoid of, of a gift that God specifically gave me to give to that person that I, I don't even know who it is. I don't know what point, when we're what, right. And, and, but that's true for every one of us, right. That whoever you are, and it doesn't have to be music. It can be a janitor. It can be, you know, it can be a music teacher. It can be a teacher. It can be a mom. It can be like whatever it, whatever your quote unquote career is, right. You bring something to the table that no one else can, but you're, you're not defined by that. You're defined by the fact that you are a beloved daughter or for you guys listening, your beloved son of the father. And he created you with a specific thing in mind and it's, and, and you matter period. And it's been really fun, you know, just knowing each other for so long, watching each other walk through yeah. detaching our identities from yeah. our career and detaching that. And I've really seen that in you of like, y'all, Maria, I could listen to her sing all day long, sing and play, but it really doesn't define you. You know, you, you, it is something that you do and you're gifted with it, but you know, it's, it's not something that your rise and fall is, and you really do do it as a gift back to the Lord mm-hmm. and, and it blesses so many people. So I've just, it's been really fun watching us detach right. our identities from that, really? that, that aspect of our life. And I think, you know, as women in the world today, where we do tend to, you know, we want to be a boss, whatever right. that means. Right. And but just stepping back from that and knowing that, that is not, um, it's not our whole identity. It's just something that we do. It is not who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us really to our second point of, you know, your status in life. And it, this is really important because it is so important to value being a wife or being a sister, yeah. being a mother. Those are such important aspects of our life. But what we really want to get dig into here is you know, I think what we've experienced through a lot of our coaching and in our, in our own life is um, like Maria has been known for a long time as the single girl. And like, mm-hmm. that's not who you are. And I've been right. known a lot of what we see a lot is motherhood being yeah. such, um, such an identifier and, and yeah. just totally wrapped up in your motherhood. And that's a good thing. Like we are designed to pour our life out and serve our children. And it, but it takes so much of you, of your time and all that you are that I think sometimes we get lost. And what we see in that empty nest when we get past the kids is completely being lost and thinking, well, now I'm just going to sit around and, you know, I don't know. I don't have any purpose anymore. I'm just going to wait for grandkids. Totally. And, and even with that, you can begin to, we've just seen this over and over that 
if, if your whole, if you're defined by whether you are single or whether you're married or whether you have children or whether you don't, or whether you have grandkids or whether, you know, all these things, right. Then again, you're giving everything exterior so much power to control your joy, you know, to control your happiness. And you can unknowingly be making those out to be in a sense of God in your life. You know, for those to be so high on a, on a pedestal, um, you know, I've coached a lot of women where, yes, there's an ache in singlehood. Absolutely. And at the same time, if we think that, well, once I'm dating someone or once I'm married that, you know, oh, then I'm somebody, right. Then I matter. Or then and, I'll be happy. Yeah. Or then I'll be happy. Well, ladies, you'll never be happy. You know? Let me tell you, ladies, there is a beauty in singleness too. You can get up and go. You can fly across the net. You know, like there is such a beauty in every season of life. There's hardships in all and there's beauty. Yes, there's positives and negatives. And it's seeing and finding the good of like, you know, um, that there's always good in every season of your life and there's always purpose in it. And it's not allowing that like to just define who you are in every aspect of your being. Yes. Which kind of brings us to, I think, also this idea of really it's who are you, you know, like, who are you? I, I when I had walked the Camino, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's, it's a track of, um, I think it's 499 or so basically 500 miles, essentially, um, where you walk across Spain and you start in the French Alps and you, you backpack. So literally what you have on your backpack is what you have with you for the whole time. And what was so fascinating is there's people from all walks of life, right? And this is the, this is kind of one of the, it's the oldest pilgrimage. Um, They say it was the way of St. James where he went spreading the gospel. And he, um, and so people have done this track for that, you know, the last several couple thousand years. Well, how long did that take you to walk the Camino? I think it was like 28 days. So it was not that long and I will walk 500 miles. Oh, that yes, literally was when we started singing myself and a friend when we did it. That was our starting song. <laughs> and uh, it was funny about, you know, you didn't have a shower for 28 days. Oh, no, you do get a shower. You say in these things called albergues. They're like these little, um, sort of like a mini hostel for those of you who've been, have stayed in a hostel, but it's very limited. Like there's a, a bed in a big room. It's almost like a dorm room, but like way bigger. Like a cot. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's like, there's basically like a long enough bed. there's usually bunk beds and you bring your sleeping bags, you're, you know, now some of them will have like sheets and that kind of thing. Um, and then there's a shower. A lot of times it's not hot water. Um, and you, know you love cold showers. <laughs> exactly. You hand wash your clothes. You know, you have usually like just a couple pair that you switch back and forth with and, and you walk. Like and let them dry out while you walk, exactly. hang them off your backpack and let them dry out. <laughs> but, um, it's, it, it's an amazing experience. Actually, it's funny because it was one of those things at the very end of it. I was like, that was the most incredible thing I'll never do again. And then about two or three weeks out, I was like, actually, that was one of the most incredible things I would totally do again. <laughs> it's like asking you when you finish a marathon, when are you running your next time? Right. Like, don't ask right. me right now. Exactly. Anyway, I didn't mean to get you off track, no, but coming back, back you well, met- coming back to that. But what was so fascinating was you're meeting people from so many different walks of life, but you would, you know, as you're walking along, there's people from every country, countries you've never heard of. There's people who are all different faiths and all different belief systems and all different um, backgrounds and all different careers and every, all different ages. But what was so interesting to me was you would, you know, as you're walking along, 
you'll, you'll start to pass someone or going to be like, oh, Gwen Camino, and you'll start talking to them, right? And you literally may walk with them neck and neck for, you know, two hours, three hours, maybe six hours. And you will have so many conversations on so many different topics. And you may end up leaving that conversation actually having no idea what they did, having no idea what their career was. So interesting. Yeah. Because in that space, it was like, wait, we're all in an even playing field. And none of us are, it's just more like, who are you? Like, what's your story? Who are you? It's the who, it's not the what, it's not the what of the career. It's not the what of, you know, are, are you, you know, are you single or or married or divorced or married? It's just, who are you? You know, what's your heart? Where's your heart? Like, what's your story? Right. And, and really, and what was so beautiful was you formed like a family with these different people from all over because you were encountering the who, and no one was defining. It's like, we're all, we all got backpacks on us and we all, you know, your, your feet are hurting at the end of the day and you're all sitting together and enjoying a meal together. And you just learned that your status, your who is not, it's not defined in any way, shape or form by what your career is or has been, or is going to be or by your status as a wife, a mom, you know, a sister, a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think we can sometimes take that status in life and make it, um, we can make it negative, you know, like if you're someone that's been through a divorce and you're defined by, well, I'm divorced. Like you, you feel like I'm a failure. Like, you know, that's, that's not who you are. Or if right. you think that the goal in life is marriage, like you said, right. and you're single, then you feel like a failure. Or if you're a mother and you feel like, gosh, I can't do anything until my kids go to school or I can't, now I can't do anything until they're, and you just spend your whole life waiting and wishing it away. Or it is that I'm just a mother and you almost can make your kids your God, right? Of like, I'm I'm here to do everything for them. This is all that matters. Yes, we're called to serve them, but we also have to remember that children are not ours. They're a gift. They're a gift from God for us to raise up and to train in his ways to send out on their, on their way to go live their life and do whatever God's plan is for their life. And, you know, I see so many parents, I'm sure I'm guilty of this as well, living vicariously through their children. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I'm a runner. I would love for one of my kids to be a runner and none of them like to run. (laughs) You would be so good at it. You would be so talented. Consciously bringing myself back to like, you know, my dream isn't their dream. And I want them to go and live their dream and do whatever God's plan is for them. As long as it's within the moral compass, you know. Um, And I think that brings it to, to this idea also that sometimes there is a temptation to attach shame based off of all those things, right? Like, okay, well, my kids aren't going the direction I thought they were. So I failed as a parent or you know, well, I, I don't have a significant somebody, so something's wrong with me or, well, I'm so-and-so's daughter and -and so-and-so is actually like a terrible person, you know, or whatever. And and we can actually end up leave the shame every time. Yes. I should be married. I shouldn't be divorced. I should be. I shouldn't have a child who's doing that. I shouldn't have. I should have kids and I don't. Who knows what you never know what people are going through. Right. Gosh, the level of infertility. You never know. You don't know. And so I think being aware that that shame ends up, I really believe that the enemy uses shame actually as a cover over us many times because then we stopped being a light, 
right? Because if I feel covered with shame for whatever reason, whatever story I'm telling myself, then I stop shining. I start to hide, right? I start, well, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to talk to people. You know, we go inward, which is exactly what the enemy wants, right? We're here because we have a God-given purpose that if we don't live that out, no one can take our place. You know, we are completely 100% irreplaceable. And if we don't recognize that, and we don't take that gift that God's given in the gift of our life, because we think, well, this, you know, this changed in my life. So now I don't have purpose or this changed. So now it doesn't matter. These people are saying this, or these people are thinking this or whatever it is, you guys, and we all have those things, right? We all have things where stuff didn't turn out how we thought it would, or wanted it to, or there's a million shoulds or ideas or stories we're telling ourselves. But when we let that cover us with shame and we stop living out of our God-given purpose and just saying, Jesus, like, here I am, man, here I am with, with all the things, right. With all the junk. Which you will. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's such a game changer. You know, it really is. And it's, it's, that brings us to our, our third point of like not attaching your, your identity to your career, to your status in life, or really to your image, that social media presence, or just at all, even if you're not on social media, what others think. And that is the Mm. hardest thing because we are wired for connection. And I was reading a book a couple weeks ago, just like we're wired for connection, but we're also wired for competition, like to strive to be the best. That's our fight or flight. Like, you know, every man for himself. I've always teased my, my running buddy, Tracy. We used to run and a couple of times we had a skunk come out because we ran in the dark early, early in the morning, 5 a.m. And and I'm like, I'm out of here, girl. I knew I was faster than her. She laughed. She'd be like, she's gone. Everyone, like every man for himself, you know, and that's survival. And we just joke about it. But um, truly, it's like, we're wired to be the best. Like if we're, gosh, Maria and I are the biggest collaborators, but you put a, you put a, she wants to weight lift when we get together because she's stronger than me. And I want to run because I'm faster than you, you know? And it's like, we're wired to want to be the best. But we're also wired to want to be in communion with people. We're wired for connection. And I think why this pandemic has been so hard is we're wired for that connection, but we do care what other people think we do. And that's just, um, when, that's just and, how God made us. Well, and the big reason for that, you also look there is that, you know, we, again, going back, like, hey, man, we were in tribes, you know? And so there is like one of the greatest fear is being quote unquote kicked out of the tribe, which is why our, like, again, this is just a brain thing. Primal. Yeah. It's very primal to us that it, we, we care about what people think and what the image is because of that, because there is a fear that, well, if I'm not accepted, I'll be kicked out of the tribe and then I will die. That is literally the primal brain reaction to that. But the reality is that, okay, and, and we can even know, all right, I know that's not true anymore. I know I won't die anymore <laughs> if I get kicked out of the tribe. Um, but you look at social media, you look at how much we're worried about, oh my gosh, so-and-so people are going to think this because this happened in my family or because I'm not doing this anymore because I'm only doing this kind of work instead of that other kind of work. And we can get so caught up that suddenly we're totally living our life based off of what other people think instead of actually living the the life that God has called us to and created us for. Yeah, it's so true. And what's really important there, I think, as a mother is being so aware of that so that our kids don't feel like they're living out what we think they should do. And, you know, I I take it back to how we try to live our life. Um, Marie and I talk a lot about this, the triangle of God at the top and then your marriage and your children and your family and, you know, your friends and and your career, those go down. And I think a lot of times we, we, as humans, we flip the triangle upside down and we have it in the wrong order. 
and we're living like what other people want us to do. Like I, I want to, you know, women, honestly, we want to look good for other women. We don't care what, right. About the men so much. We want to impress other women like, oh, she looks good, you know? And it's, it's just true. But really what we're challenging you today to say, to have that triangle in the right order and like, what does God think about this? Right. Would God be proud of me doing this? Would, would I show up wearing this dress that yeah. might be a little too low cut or a little too high um, if I was meeting Jesus for lunch? And that's just a silly example. But, you know, what, what does he think? And then having that order properly. And when we live our lives by order, everything else falls into a place. Mm-hmm. And so asking yourself, am I, am I caring what others think in a way that's ordered? Like you should care what others think if you go and steal something. Like I, I don't <laughs> want someone to think I'm a thief or, you know, that's, that's proper, right? That's living by virtue. If it, if it leads you towards virtue and towards how you want God to see you, I think that's an appropriate thing. But if it leads you towards vice, we have to mm-hmm. check ourselves, right? Well, you know what also though, I, I, I think I, I would say like, yes. And that can we even purify that? You know what I mean? Can, can even purify, okay, yes, I'm going to, you know, I don't want someone to think I'm stealing or someone to whatever, but can we even purify that intention of more than I, I, whether someone thinks I'm stealing, whether or not, like, I don't want to, because I know that that that's wrong because God, wrong. Is, right, 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 right. Which right. is how it should be in the beginning. Totally. And, and something that I think, I don't know, I, I love the way that you parent MK. I think it's so beautiful the way that you and will do such an incredible job of, of, Yes, you have expectations for your children and you, you know, help to give them the tools um, to live, you know, to become who God created them to be. But I've noticed you don't put all this pressure on, okay, you have to like, about like, it's, it's about pleasing you guys. Like you have, they have to do everything right. Because what are my parents going to think if I do everything wrong? You know, there's, it's, I, and I don't know how you guys have done it. <laughs> But I just have, it's a work in progress every day. We never arrive, you know, in that, because I think just from being, I mean, I've spent a significant amount of time, you know, around you guys and with your kids. And it's amazing to me. I think one of the things in parenting, it seems like there's a little bit of that dance of, you know, having expectations for your children, obviously teaching them right from wrong and giving them space to be like freedom, right. To be able to make you know, God willing, the right choice, you know, but to be able to make those choices. And, and as, you know, as kids, kids get older and some of you guys out there are moms with adult children, you know, that there's a way that like, you can't control what your children do anymore. You know, you can't, they, and, and I think one of the things with that is, is still letting them know that they're loved, you know, is, is really that, um, it's, it's amazing how important, that at the heart of like all of these things, right? At the heart of career or status as a wife or mom or single, whatever, or social media or what others think, underlying that is a desire to be loved. It really know? is. And that's what we're made for, by love, for love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is so interesting with, with parenting is like, mm-hmm. it's a fine line in the dance of like having high expectations and wanting yeah. you to become the best version of yourself yeah. and wanting you to live out virtue but then also knowing that you're going to fail because we're all human and you're going to drop. But if you like, you know, like you better not, I'm just using the example of slavery, obviously (laughs) just advocating that of like, no, you should never in your heart want to steal. You want to purify your heart in all that we do. And that's why attaching your identity to anything that's not permanent is, is not ordered. And, but just taking it back to like, 
Yeah. You should feel guilt when you do something wrong, right? Totally. But how do you totally teach your kids to live virtue and right. to do the right thing, but knowing that you're there to love them when they sin. But if you do something, you're still going to be punished. Like you're not right. just, I'm right. just going to bring you Oh, something and you're loved. No, you're going to make reparation for that. And I'm still going to kick your butt and you're going to be grounded, but I still love you. You know, like there's nothing in the school you can do. And and I think that teaches, yeah, like that teaches real life consequence, right? Though, because there are consequences in the real life, you know, that if you make this choice, this choice equals this, you know, you steal in real, like, in, in no, you still in real life, you can go to jail or go to hell, right? (laughs) Right. What do you want? Exactly. And so there is, there's such a balance with all that. There's such a dance, I think, with that of, um, you know, yes, you are loved and there's space to make mistakes. And there's still also an expectation of, of working towards doing the right thing, whatever. It is. Part of that too, really is communication, you know, just having mm-hmm. open communication that totally. I don't know how you do it. People, we love to hear your pearls. You just, it's a constant wake up every day and try. And I'm telling you, kids will humble you in every way. As soon as you think you have it figured out, there's another one, but when you have multiples, I always say, God is so good. Somebody always needs your massive attention, whether it's the baby or one of the older ones going through something, but seems like he's so good that it's not more than one or two at a time. <laughs> so, cause you can only handle so much, you know, you just um, try to love on all of them. And anyway, that's another, another story for another day, but Really what we were just talking about today is like figuring out who you are. Yeah. And I was listening to Ed Milet this morning. Y'all know we are big okay. fans of Ed Milet. Dream to have Ed Milet on the pod. Yeah. But um, he was talking about like outlasting the temporary and mm-hmm. I give him all the credit because I just love how he says that, like outlast the temporary mm-hmm. and everything in life is temporary, including your life. Right. And that's the whole goal is to strive for heaven. And that's why we're here. The only purpose of, of living this life is to get to heaven and to have, to build a great, a great kingdom along the way and, and to have a lot of fun and to grow and become great people and leave the world a better place and all those altruistic virtuous things. But just really peeling back the layers today of like, who are you? And, and you might say, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a, who are you? I'm a daughter. Who are you? And just keep peeling back those yeah. layers. And I want to know it all, but at the heart of everything, you are loved and you are a daughter of the King and nothing else matters other than you serving him and being here at worship, you know, just serving him, worshiping him and knowing that we have a good father who has an intentional plan for your life and that your life matters. And it's not attached to something that isn't permanent and nothing in this life is permanent. Mm -hmm. And it might be a cool exercise, you guys, to sit down and and do a little bit of a brain dump, right? Right. What? do you define yourself by right now? You know, do you define yourself by your career, by whether you're away from mom or what others think? Like what is defining that? And peel, like MK say, peel away those layers and then take some time and ask, ask the Lord what he has to say about that. You know, it's my guess. He has quite a bit of, of things to say about what's being defined. And, uh, and in this Easter season, just really, we encourage you to spend alone time with God it is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking with someone yesterday about figuring out life and, and, you know, she said it was just through a lot of alone time and, and it's, it's yes. a rare, uh, thing to have that alone time in our overstimulated culture today. And right. so we just encourage you to really create that space because we all make time for what we want to make time for. And to realize that your identity is not in what you do. Mm-mm. It is, um, it's, it's just not anything of this world. And the more you can pull yourself back from that, I think the more freedom you will have and the more joy and happiness you will find. 
Totally. So we would love to hear your thoughts on this. You guys send us some DMs. Let us know what your experience is of attaching identity to any of those things we talked about. Or maybe there's other ideas y'all have, and we'd love to hear that. But come join us again every week. If you enjoyed this, share it with someone, like, subscribe, download, all the things. Remember and not to attach your identity to anything that's not permanent. True that. This week, temporary. just becoming aware of where you, where you can grow. And we will see you next week on Girl Water Your Grass. Cheers.